You got your Bible or that technological device that everybody over 50 loves. I said, the word of God is true. God is true. If I live the word, if I live the word, I will be blessed. I will be blessed. If I don't, if I don't, I won't. I won't. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. Just that simple. You may be seated. You live the word. You get blessed. You don't. You won't. We're going to go to Romans chapter eight in just a moment. The message today, I really feel God has a word for us. But before I do, how many of you like to laugh? I love to laugh. I love humor. So I have a joke for you. Are you ready for a joke? Turn to you, Marie. You always have a smile. Laughter is good for you. Joyful heart does good like a medicine. Okay, you ready for the story? Everybody promised to laugh, so I'll feel good. Lone Ranger and Tonto. How many of you realize that sometimes things don't turn out to be like they appear when they first happen? It's like, it's like something, hi Kim, it's like something happens and yeah, it's like this and then you go a different direction and, and, and whatever. So sometimes, how many of you are quick to judge things or uh, come up with something in your mind when you see something and then later on it doesn't seem like that? Okay, nobody's hand. Oh, one, one person. Lightning bolt's coming, move away. The Lone Ranger and Tonto have been out doing their good deeds and taking care of all the bad guys. They had a new tent that they'd just been given, and they were so excited to use it. So they were camping out on the desert, and they two-man tent. So the Lone Ranger and Tano are in this two-man tent. They're tired. They've been getting the bad guys all day long. So they fell asleep, sound sleep, and Tano wakes up, and he looks up, and he sees all the stars. And he says, Kimisabi, look at all those stars. What do you see? The Lone Ranger looked up and he said, Oh, Tonto, I see the beautiful stars that God has placed there. I see the galaxy. I see the heavenlies. I see everything that God has made and created. Tonto, what do you see? Tonto says, Kimasabi, you dummy, somebody stole our tent. If you're a visitor, that's about as good as it gets with me, but I like it. <laughs> you turn, turn to the book of Romans. It's not always like it appears. Book of Romans, chapter 8. We're talking today about God's perfect love and the power of God's perfect love. And how that if we get a revelation of it, we get a glimpse of it, and then we bring it into our spirit and bring it into our heart, it will change our life forever. And what, what I believe that every single one of us would like to see and experience in our life is that no matter what would happen to you in the year 2014 and beyond, it would not affect you negatively, but it would be used for good in your life. How many of you realize that you had some challenges and things came against you in 2013? They tried to magnify themselves so that they were the center focus, but they weren't. You had a lot of great things that happened in 2013. And you're going to have a lot of great things that will happen in 2014 also. And for the rest of your life, if you really get into the Word of God, dig it out, and realize how you are called by God to live your life. And when you understand the power 
that love has, that it will affect and change your life toward every situation that you encounter and how God wants to use the situation even though He didn't cause it to happen. He wants to use it to turn it around to strengthen you in some area of your life. And even though it might have been something that the devil brought against you, God in His infinite wisdom is going to turn that thing around in your life. And in Romans 8.28, it says that... uh, did you leave and come back? Oh, praise You had to get a cough up? You okay? You healed? Were you here for the healing service? No. I was playing so you could pray. Romans 8, 28. We have a new, we have a new keyboard player. Romans 8, 28 says this. And know this, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So if you love God the way God wants you to love Him, and if you are called according to His purpose, then no matter what you experience, is going to be used for good in your life. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, that's good news. Now, the importance of God's love, Jesus explained that to us in, in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. When he was asked by a scribe, what's the greatest commandment of all? And most of you in this church know that scripture. It says to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus went on and said, there is no greater commandment than this. This entire book, which is a love story. Everybody say the Bible is a love story. This is a love story written from a father through his Holy Spirit and through his son to tell us how much he loves us and that no matter how bad we've been, it will not affect his love. Do you know you can do nothing to affect God's love for you because it is continual? He loves you when you're good. And Marie, you got to be happy about this. He loves you when you're bad because no matter how you've been, God loves you and God cannot violate his person. He is love. God is love. So what we have to do is latch on to, okay, if this love is such a force of power, then how do I enter into it so I walk in that power all day long because I know that if I look at the situation and circumstances, they have a tendency to draw me away from the things of God that I'm supposed to be manifesting because I'm upset about something that happened. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Scripture, all of you know well, I'm sure, the greatest is love. Faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest is love. What is the greatest gift that we've been given? The Son of God, which is God's love manifest for you and me, so we have what we have need of. So let's say, I have everything I have need of. Now, here's what we have to determine. Am I walking in that love Come on in. You can sit anywhere you want. Sit down right here. Give him a hand because if you come to church late and, and, every, and you walk in front of everybody, you obviously wonder if I get embarrassed. Don't get embarrassed here because we are glad you're here. You've been here before? Uh, yes, this is our second time back. I've been here before. <laughs> they, don't, they don't let me up here very often though, but you'll find out why in just a minute. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, wherever I was, oh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. What we have to do is determine, are we walking where God wants us to walk? And if you have your Bible, I want you to follow with me here because I want to read up a good bit, bit of Scripture. But as I was going through this, getting ready for this message, I thought, wow, God, there's some stuff here I need to check up on too. But it's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. 
really talks about how we, as people filled with God's love, should be. And it says in verse number 4, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. does not seek its own. is not provoked. Thinks no evil. does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Let's all say that. If you're around somebody that's full of God's love, it's flowing from them to you. And the world is full of a lot of people that need what we have. Tell your neighbor, the world needs what we have. But you've got to know what you have in order to give it to the world. Now, this is what my Bible in the commentary says, and I just love this. How much are we like Jesus, and how much of that love are we allowing to flow to other people? It'll always show on your continents. You cannot make yourself be like something that you haven't already received. Does that make sense? In other words, who are you? You can't talk until you learn English or whatever your language is. You can't be certain things until you have a revelation of it. But then once you have a revelation of it, you say, oh, that's who I am. That's what I need to flow and how I need to be. That's why it's so important to understand righteousness. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You were a sinner. Now you're righteous. Are you supposed to act like a sinner? Are you supposed to act righteous? No, you're supposed to act righteous. But what about when you sin? You're supposed to act righteous and ask for forgiveness. So no matter what happens in our life, we act the way God says we're supposed to act. Ready? You ready to walk with God's power? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, this is a checkup for you. Now, this is how you determine... If you're walking in God's perfect love, this is the commentary for 13, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. How many of you would say, I really need to hear that? Can I see your hands? <laughs> love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. Those of you who are impatient with imperfect people are the problem, not the imperfect people. Because the devil, if you're impatient with imperfect people, you know what the devil's going to bring you? Duh. He's going to bring you a bunch of imperfect people, just like you. Love is kind, active in doing good. Love does not envy, since it is non-possessive and non-competitive. How are you doing so far? Okay. It actually wants people to get ahead, hence... It never parades itself. Love has a self-effacing quality. It is not ostentatious. Love is not puffed up, treating others arrogantly. It does not behave rudely, but displays good manners and courtesy. Love does not seek its own, insisting on its own rights and demanding precedence. Rather, it is unselfish. Love is not provoked. It is not irritable. How many of that is for you? That one right there. It is not irritable. Sherry, write that down. It is not irritable no matter what Maury does. Are touchy, rough, are hostile, but is graceful under pressure. Love thinks no evil. It does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. Instead, it erases resentments. Let's say that again. It erases resentments. Love does not rejoice in inequity, 
finding satisfaction in the shortcomings of others and spreading an evil report. Rather, it rejoices in the truth, aggressively advertising the good. Love bears all things, defending and holding other people up. Love believes the best about others, credits them with good intentions, (laughs) and is not suspicious. Love hopes all things, never gives up on people, but affirming their future. Love endures all things, persevering and remaining to the end. Can you all say amen? Amen. How many of you, may I see a show of hands, think you could do a better job at walking in the love that you've been given? Because the love that we just described is what God has done and feels about us. So now everywhere that we go, we should walk in that love. Now, if you walk in this love, I guarantee you, everything is going to work for good in your life. You're going to be blessed coming. You're going to be blessed going. People are going to be attracted to you because of that love in you. It's not you. It's what is in you. There are a lot of people out there that need to see that love. The other day, I was thinking about my wife when I came through McDonald's. and there was You know how they have these McDonald's lanes and you merge in and whatever. And I thought I was next. Matter of fact, I was next. And, uh, and, but this lady that I merged in front of, I know she was not in agreement with me at all because I could tell by the look on her face, she was really upset. And, uh, so I, I pulled on ahead and just for a moment, I had this thought like, yeah, you too, because I know I was right. And, uh, but, but then I got to thinking about it and I thought, you know, she might be having a hard day. Why would I let that affect me? Maybe I was wrong. I don't think I was wrong, but maybe I was wrong. And so I went up to the window. Now, I've done something like this before in the past. One time I pulled up there, and I just wanted to bless the people behind me. And I said, I'm going to pay for their order. And it's like 12 or $13. I don't know, 11, 11 12 $13. I said, Whoa, that's a big order. This time, <laughs> this time I pulled up the window, and I said, what did she order? <laughs> Behind me. He said 278 or something like that. And I said, I'd like to pay for it. So I paid for it. And I thought, you know, that made me feel good about life. It made me feel good about myself. And it made me feel good about her. And that was God's love flowing just to bless her and just to walk like, you know, she might have been right. Maybe I was wrong. It doesn't matter. She may be upset with me, but I don't have to be upset with her. Does that make sense? Turn to your neighbor and say, some people will be upset with you. Turn back to him and say, some people just don't like you. (laughs) That's true. That's true. No matter what you do, there are some people that just don't like you. How many of you just love to bless people that don't like you? How many of you, you know, you drive down the road and, uh, well, anyway. I, I, I want you, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Matthew, because what we're trying to do here is learn, okay, if the power of God's perfect love is what I need to be everything God's called me to be, then how do I walk in it? What kind of things do I need to change? How many of you... Oh, no, I don't want to say that. Well, I'll say it anyway. You don't have to raise your hand. There's not... I'll I'll bet you in this church, there are 70 or 80% of the people who would probably like to lose weight for 2014. Now, that's true in the world, that people, you know, get to the end of the year, and at the end of the year, everybody wants to make a resolution to lose weight. If you eat the same and act the same and do everything the same for 2014, you are not going to lose weight. It's going to continue to gain. Who's the pastor out in California? 
the big saddleback church. Rick Warren, he's written a book on the Daniel diet. I have that reading through that right now. But, but Rick, Rick Warren was saying that, that, uh, that he was baptizing many people in his church. We had 875 people in his church. And he said, he said, when I got done, I went home and my arms ached, my back ached, my legs ached, everything about me ached. And I turned to my wife and I said, honey, you know what I've realized about our church? She said, what? She, he said, they're all fat. And, and now that's really something for a pastor to say, but that's what he said, and it's in his book. He says, they're all fat. And he said, I, then I, I went in the a bedroom and, and went in the bathroom to take a shower and looked in the mirror. I thought, well, I'm fat. And, and he said, maybe that's why my church is like that. And so, so it, it, anyway, it caused him to end up writing this book and getting involved with this Daniel diet. But he said, I thought I've only gained three pounds a year since I got out of high school. But he said, then I realized I've been out of high school 30 years. <laughs> and he said, I got on the scales and I was exactly 90 pounds overweight. So what happens is you have to make a life change based on what you want to become. Well, if we want to walk in God's love, then we need to understand how do I do that? Because the Holy Spirit will help you. So turn to your neighbor and tell him the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 5, th- these, these scriptures are really powerful. I'm going to be reading in verse number 43 because v- verse number 38 through 41 is talking about the area or the era of time that it was involved with and some of the laws and regulations relating to the Romans and the Jews and what the Jews had to do by law for the Romans. But in verse number 43, this is what it says. Now tell your neighbor, I can do this. Okay, now this is, this is contrary to your, to your basic nature. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Everybody say that. Say, I can do it. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. You think you have a difficult time doing any of that? Yeah, I think we all do, don't we? But it says, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, What do you have more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Now, verse 48, this is so powerful. Therefore, if you do this, if you walk with the love that we just described, therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. How do you perfect yourself to be like Jesus? You walk in God's love. Praying for those people who come against you. Praying for those people who curse you. Have you ever, how many of you have ever been cursed out by somebody? Doesn't it feel wonderful? Don't you just want to say, bless, bless you, brother. Where did you get that vocabulary? Glory to God. I mean, that is just so awesome to hear. Or you have that one person who drives around and the only good finger comes up when they drive by you. And you get to that point when you say, I'm going to love that person. Because we don't know what happened in their life. To make them like that. And when you decide to walk in that love, it will change your attitude 
It will change your mind. It will change your countenance. It will change every single thing about you. However, what we have to be careful of, and that's why we started, that's why I believe the Lord gave us Romans 8.28 to start this message. You have to be careful of the things that happen through the year 2013, through the year 2014, and for the rest of your life. Because there are disappointments that we have to deal with. And if we don't deal with disappointments, let me give you an example. How many of you have had a disappointment in 2013? How many of you think the chances are realistic that you might have a disappointment in 2014? If you haven't raised your hand, I am raising it for you. You will have opportunities for disappointment. This week, and in, in, in Pam and I, not, well, yeah, this week, but some of you know the story, but I, I went out to Denver to get our uh, nephew and bring him home and uh, to live with us. And uh, uh, <clears throat> we were coming out of a culture and some things out there that just were terrible for him and destroying him, and we felt like this would be a new beginning, new life for him. And uh, he informed us a couple of days ago that he was going back to Denver and go back there to live in the inner city. And... Uh, it was it was a it was very difficult, and uh, first I was angry, just just felt like smacking him and uh, go and get out and don't ever come back and, and you're not welcome here again and all. And uh, but then when I really began to pray about it, I really began to see him the way God saw him, I just started to cry for him and uh, my heart really went out for him and I told him that. You're always welcome in our house. You're always welcome to come home. We love you. We want the very best for you, and, 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 and you come back. That dis- disappointment really got on me the last couple of days, and, and I'd have to say that I wasn't dealing with it well. If you don't deal with disappointment when it happens quickly, then it will discourage you. It's a slippery slope. And then once that disappointment goes into discouragement, you start to lose your courage to be who God's called you to be. And then once you live with that for a while, that discouragement, you'll eventually get depressed. And that's what happens. People get disappointed, then they get discouraged, and then they get depressed. But if you deal with with disappointment quickly and realize disappointment's part of life, everything's not going to go the way you think it should. Everybody's not going to line up the way you think they should. That you get to the point when you say no matter what, The disappointment that I am going through is going to be turned around and used for good in my life. And somehow it's going to strengthen me, and I'm not going to let it change me from who I'm called to be. And that's the word for each and every one of you. Because what happens when we go from that disappointment to discouragement to depression is we let torment come in. We don't consciously do it, but subconsciously torment begins to come in. And the torment gets against our mind and it brings fearful thoughts and things that are contrary to the word of God. Then if we dwell on it long enough, it pulls us right out from under the love of God where we're going to love anybody no matter what they do, no matter how disappointed they make us involved in that situation. We're just going to love them. And then it gives us a whole different perspective. Now, that God has given us a scripture on how to handle that torment and that fear that tries to come against us. And if you turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, we're going to be reading there. All through the Bible, you can find examples of people who became disappointed. And as I, as I was preparing this, this word, 
when God was speaking things to me, I was thinking about things in my own life and things in the life of other people that I know that they went from one disappointment to the other, never really handling them, but letting each disappointment cause them eventually discouragement. And then they eventually got depressed and they just stayed there in a tormented state. Saul, King Saul in the Bible, was a great example of that. He was appointed by God himself to be king over the people. He found a man who wanted to be loyal to him and help him in David. And he brought David along. But the people liked David. And the people applauded David. They didn't dislike Saul as the king, but they liked David also. But because Saul did not know how to walk in God's perfect love, he became envious of David. And he looked at David with an evil eye. Saul did not have an evil eye until he began to lose his love for David, and he saw David as a threat. And envy started to come in. And that's what happens to a lot of people, and they don't realize it. The disappointment that came to Saul was that they were applauding David more than they were applauding him. They were giving David more glory than they were giving Saul. And instead of being happy, now what did we read? You never care about yourself for God's perfect love. You love it when other people get exalted and lifted up. You never think about yourself. And that's where Saul lost his whole kingdom. He became envious of David and he began to become disappointed with the people. That could happen to any one of you. But if you understand how this love, faith works by love. Everything works by love. If you looked at the entire gospel and all that God has done, he's tied it all together with his love. And he said, if you walk with my love, everything that you have need of will be there. Everything will work for good in your life. Everything will be there and you will attract people to that love in you. Now, how many of you struggle from time to time with fear? Can I see your hands? Okay. Now, fear is a product of the devil. But the devil has been defeated. Everybody say that. Now say it like you really mean it. He can't do anything to us unless we allow him. He cannot have your mind. He cannot have your body. He cannot have your intellect. He cannot have anything unless you surrender it to him. But what happens is he comes and plants something in you and you receive it. Then it's not him that did it. It's you that received it. Because love will never allow you to be fearful. That's weak. That should have been a real praise God or some kind of a response. Love will never allow you to be fearful. Amen. However, let me see the hands of all the people who believe love will never make you fearful. Raise them real high. Now keep, now look, now keep them up. Now everybody look around. Okay? Got a glimpse? Take them all down. Let me see the hands of all the people that through, through 2013 lived in some fear in your life. Put your hands way up. Everybody look around. This is a contradiction. (laughs) Let's find out why we have a contradiction. Because it's not God's fault and it's not the devil's fault. Well, if it's not God's fault that you have fear and if it's not the devil's fault that you have fear, whose fault is it? It may be hard for you, but take that finger jab it right up your nose and say, I'm the problem. If you got fear in your life, you are the problem. You are the problem. 
1 John chapter 4, before you want to attack me, and I have to love you. <laughs> Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we, what time do we end? 11? 11, 10. 11, 10. I'm doing good. <laughs> Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So what is the answer? Getting rid of the fear? No. Getting filled up with love and the fear will never get a hold of you. You all with me on that? In other words, that fear is going to be gone. And we're going to have that love, and that's going to drive that fear out. When you have that love in you, the fear will be driven out. Let's stand to our feet. There isn't a single one of you that doesn't want to be blessed with the fullness of God throughout 2014 and the rest of your life. And that's what Romans 8.28, I have a big picture that Tom Blumley made me several years ago. I got it back out of place that I had it and I'm going to put it back up in my room but uh, it's a picture of a football player that's all beat up and on the side of the road and it says some of your greatest defeats will eventually be your greatest victories Romans 8 28 God uses all things for good all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose some of the biggest challenges that you've experienced in 2013 they're going to be turned around and strengthen you in every area of your life that thing that you've been standing and believing for is going to come to pass. And sometimes they don't come to pass. But something happens in you that makes you a better person, gives you more compassion, more love, more strength, more compassion and mercy for people. God wants to bring us from glory to glory. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at Victory Lafayette. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.